0: Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, we will be discussing the role of pharmacists as medical science liaisons with our guest, Dr. Stephanie Wu. Dr. Wu currently serves as a medical science liaison in allergy and respiratory at Sanofi. After receiving her PharmD from Cedarville University, she completed postdoctoral fellowship training with Sanofi, serving as an immunology medical science liaison fellow. During this experience, she also served as adjunct pharmacy instructor with the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome back to Disrupt. I'm excited today to have a Cedarville alumna, Dr. Stephanie Wu, joining us on the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. It's great to talk with you again, and I'm excited to learn more about your recent experiences and particularly the role you have as a pharmacist in industry.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Cole. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Great. Okay. Well, first, I know that you recently started a new position after you finished your fellowship training. So tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, I recently accepted a position after my fellowship, um, and I am so excited. I accepted the role as a medical science liaison um, in the specific area of allergy and respiratory. Um, and I started. Uh, actually, I start my first day on Monday, and so I'll be transitioning from being a PharmD fellow into a full-time position on the team.
0: Well, that's great. Congratulations! I'm sure that this is a uh, uh, brings a lot of excitement.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. This is uh, basically a dream come true for me. So, I anticipate it having a lot of exciting moments and also challenges as well. I'm sure.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, let's take a big step back. So we've gotten to where you are today, but I'd love to have you take us through your story. So let's start with how did you first become interested in the profession of pharmacy?
1: Yeah. So it feels like yesterday when I got a postcard in the mail from Cedarville. Um, I was, you know, 17, a senior in high school. And at the time I was kind of in my brain wrestling between different areas in the medical field. I I'm thankful that I, my dad's actually a gastroenterologist. And so having a dad who was a doctor and who is a doctor practicing, I had a big influence on the way that I wanted to um, pursue my career, uh, specifically in medicine. And so when I was in the process of kind of looking at to which avenue I wanted to pursue, I was kind of between being a physician assistant or PA or being a pharmacist. And I had the privilege of being able to Um, shadow both a pharmacist as well as a PA. And ultimately, I really fell in love with the autonomy and the role of a pharmacist. Although I didn't know what kind of pharmacist I wanted to be. And I didn't know that you could do many different things in pharmacy at at the age of 17. But um, it was really cool because I got a postcard in the mail from Cedarville. And that really sold me on taking a trip to Ohio. I was born and raised in Illinois. And uh, visiting the school and the school of pharmacy. And that was when I started my seven-year journey um, at Cedarville University and then later the School of Pharmacy. So I was there for my undergrad portion and then into the pharmacy school portion. Um, And like I mentioned, I really did enjoy the autonomy that a pharmacist had, but in my time at pharmacy school, I began to explore the different routes that a pharmacist can do. And so that's just a peek into what showed me the role of a pharmacist in the medical field.
0: Well, was there a particular moment when you first learned about pharmacist roles in the pharmaceutical industry? And if so, take us back there and give, take us on that journey of how you actually became more interested in industry roles.
1: Yeah, so even though four years of pharmacy school seems so long, it actually goes by really fast. And I was, you know, really struggling my first year of pharmacy school, um, being a technician at Walgreens, I really enjoyed my time as a tech, I know that um, many pharmacy students get the opportunity to be a tech in the retail space. Um, I Had a great pharmacist who imparted a lot of wisdom and his experiences as the pharmacy manager at Walgreens. So, for me, I and like what I like to tell all students in pharmacy is it's very important to have exposure in the retail space because that's your very first upfront, that's where, you know. patients get an opportunity to interact with pharmacists. But from there, and having that background, did obviously dive a little bit into some hospital rotations as a first and second year pharmacy student. Um, And so I kind of got the exposure from both avenues in the pharmacy space. And often students think that there are either the clinical route or the retail route. It wasn't until after my first year of pharmacy school that I got exposed to the industry side of pharmacy. Um, I got chatting with one of my dad's pharmaceutical reps and his sales rep mentioned, hey, we you know, do have internships at our company. And at the time it was AbbVie. And so I just kind of looked a little bit more, did some digging, and thought I'd throw in my CV um, in the pool. And while my CV wasn't extensive, I thought I'd give it a shot, even though I really wasn't too familiar with the industry space. Um, Thankfully, I was given that internship for the summer, and that's when I embarked on a whole new world of pharmacy. And, you know, it's been exciting and I'm learning new things every day since that internship at AbbVie.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a a great experience and I remember you telling me about it even as a student. So maybe take us back there a little bit and could you maybe share with us two or three things you learned that summer with AbbVie?
1: Yeah, so first of all, it was actually an industry position at a mail order pharmacy at AbbVie. So it wasn't exactly what I am doing today. Actually, it's not at all, but it was my first like pinky or like, toe in the door of industry. So that summer, I really learned how to network. And I know that that word gets thrown about all the time. As pharmacy students, we hear that. And I didn't understand what what networking meant. But when I stepped my foot into that mail order pharmacy of this big company, I kind of got to explore how do we picture the map of every individual that's in this company. I learned um, how to really put myself out there and just kind of cold calling and emailing people in specific areas of the company being like, I want to learn more about what you do. Um, And can you spare 30 minutes of your time to, to meet with me? So I did that throughout my whole summer, just kind of Uh, Learning the stories of different people, whether they have, you know, a PharmD background or maybe a PhD background, how they got into pharmaceutical industry. Um, and so doing all that networking was kind of the big thing that I learned that summer. Um, and I also kind of learned how to speak and communicate well. I think throughout my four years of pharmacy school, I have seen myself grow as a communicator. Um, and it can be a big challenge, especially if you are someone who is a little bit more introverted. But even I've I've witnessed some of the most introverted people become extremely good communicators. Um, And so I really challenged myself to meet with strangers in the company, um, ask them more about themselves. And like I said, emailing and cold calling these people to really challenge myself and stretch myself to be a better communicator, to really put myself out there so that I could learn more about what I wanted to do in in my specific path or journey in, in pharmacy.
0: Well, I think your story and your internship is a really good lesson for all of us that even if you're in a position that isn't your dream job at the end, you can learn so much and grow in that. And so thanks for lending us that perspective. Well, I'd love to turn now though to your current role. So you now serve as a medical science liaison. I think in the field, often we hear the abbreviation MSL. So Mm -hmm. could you give us a definition of this role and what are some of the key responsibilities that you have?
1: Yeah. So like you mentioned, um, MSL or like the big part of that is liaison. Um, and oftentimes when people, when, uh, when people ask me, hey, what do you do? And when I mention MSL, they're like, oh, are you like a sales rep? And while I work very closely with my sales reps counterparts, it's not exactly what I do. And so I'll kind of uh, dive into what my role is and compare that to what a sales rep is. So, I when I describe the MSL role, I kind of make it an anal- analogy to a bridge. So, let's just picture that there is a hypothetical island where a healthcare provider holds his or her practice. And then there's another island that a patient lives on. And then there's another island that the drug that that patient takes is developed. So there's three islands, but where I step in as the MSL is I'm the bridge and I'm connecting these respective islands together from the drug island to the doctor island and then finally to the patient island. And this MSL or or me, I'm affiliated with the pharmaceutical company that develops the drug And so my role is that I am most knowledgeable or I should be most knowledgeable on the most recent updates or the label updates, the safety guidelines and the competitive landscape of that drug. And the doctor, while they might have, they have extensive experience in their background, And they know how to triage a patient and maybe how to treat that patient. They're not necessarily most readily caught up on all the data, uh, the safety updates and the label updates. So that's my job. So that's where I kind of step in. Um, I don't necessarily have direct hand in a patient. So I'm not like meeting with the patient. I'm not taking notes on them but my role is that I'm indirectly helping guide their healthcare provider into making the most clinically effective decision for that patient. So I had to kind of let go of that direct patient care, but still knowing in the back of my mind, I am direct, indirectly helping their doctor make the best choice for them. Um, and so... Then to differentiate that from a sales rep, because I work very closely with them, but there is a line in the sand that the sales rep is really trying to sell the drug. They do have sometimes a science background, not all the time. Sometimes they come from a marketing or sales background. But for me, because I hold a doctorate in pharmacy, I have that background as a pharmacist where I learned in school all about anatomy and physiology and, and the various drugs that a patient might be on. Um, I use that background as a pharmacist to help the doctor and contribute my knowledge to their ability to make a clinically meaningful decision with the patient. So that's the difference between me and a sales rep.
0: That's great. I love that idea of the bridge. That's uh, super helpful. So you mentioned that you work with physicians, other prescribers, with patients. Who do you spend most of your time interfacing with in your role as an MSL?
1: Yeah, so one of the things about an MSL is I'm on the road all the time or as – you know, in in pharma terms, I'm a field medical personnel. So I'm out on the field, which is the U.S. So typically MSLs hold a territory of the U.S. that could be multiple states, that could be a big city if the city's huge and has a lot of providers. Um, In my case, I have four states. So I have Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, and West Virginia. And that's kind of like my little kingdom, if you will. I have that territory. I'm the CEO of that territory. I'm out on the field. I'm either flying if I need to or mostly driving to visit doctors. It doesn't necessarily have to be doctors. I also meet with PAs. I meet with nurse practitioners. I even meet with some pharmacists. But those healthcare individuals specifically hold a practice in which they are, you know, influential in, you know, the respiratory or the allergy space. So I meet with a lot of allergists. Um even ENTs, I meet with uh, gastroenterologists or GI doctors because they all prescribe or are prescribers of the specific drug that I have. Um, So mostly external facing people. Um, And like I mentioned, I also talk with a lot of sales reps. So those are my internal facing stakeholders. Um, But on my day to day, I have a lot of conversations with these various practitioners out in in my territory.
0: Great. So Um, I want to go back to your training a little bit. So I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with pharmacy residency training, but maybe not as many are familiar with postdoctoral fellowship training models like the training you've received. So from my vantage point, it seems that these opportunities are continuing to expand, particularly with pharmaceutical companies. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your experience in the fellowship program and why you decided to pursue this fellowship training specifically.
1: Yeah, that's a it's a loaded question in terms of my journey of pursuing a fellowship. Um, as you can imagine, there are hundreds of hospitals in the U.S. and there are only maybe a few in comparison pharmaceutical industries or companies, Um and so, because of that, there are less opportunities for fellowships as there are residencies. However, um, I think it is a growing space in terms of what do I do after my my farm D is over. And so, I've kind of seen an increase in fellowship opportunities over the years that I've been involved in this area. Um, and so when I was a third year pharmacy student, that's kind of when you're faced with scheduling your fourth year rotations. And you're also kind of faced in with this cross in the road. Like, do I pursue the clinical route of I'm going to do a residency? I want to be in the hospital. Um, or do I want to kind of structure my rotations to put me in the, in the track for a fellowship? And, um, I, as a plan A, I really wanted to pursue a fellowship. I also knew it was important to uh, have that good clinical background as well. Um, So most of my rotations were still in the hospital as well as getting uh, the requirements done for my retail pharmacy rotations. However, I did arrange for two uh, rotations where I was able to kind of get some exposure in the industry as well and kind of strengthen my CV in that regard. Um, I Decided to pursue fellowships because I believe, um, I believed that it would get me the best support to a full time role after fellowships. As a fellow, you still have a little bit of a safety net where you're kind of learning, you're still in that growing stage, you're still in that exposure stage where you can shadow and ask for help. And as a fellow and even as a resident, that's the luxury of being able to be in that position. So that was really what pulled me to pursuing a fellowship rather than kind of maybe trying to get a position right out of graduation. I wanted to be able to be the strongest individual I could um, before applying to full-time positions. And I can faithfully say now at the back end of my fellowship, that it really did strengthen me to be the best full time employee that I can be. Um, so that's really how I fell into fellowships. Uh, it's a little bit of a different route, which I can certainly go into than the residency showcase at mid year. Um, a lot of the uh, interviews actually occur during that residency showcase time um, in December. So while res or fourth year students who are pursuing residencies might be there, you know, presenting or or maybe shadowing or like seeing the, the various residencies that are out there, uh, that those that are actually pursuing fellowships are there to interview. So the process is just a couple months in advance, um, but nonetheless, it's still very rigorous in, in the interview process.
0: Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm curious too, if you had to break down the amount of time you spent doing various activities in your fellowship, What were some of the biggest things you spent your time doing?
1: So, you know, one of the biggest things that I spent doing um, was, I would say, shadowing in fellowship. My first year was really exploring the different ways that different MSLs on my team interact with their doctors. And the only way you can really do that is... By seeing people do the job, um, everybody has their own style. The way that I would talk to you may be different than the way one of my colleagues might be um, doing, and and so. But you don't even you not only get to shadow like from a just me sitting there not being able to interact. I actually went through a three month process in the beginning of my fellowship to be certified. So I went through the whole process of studying again and learning the data and. My, you know, the drug that I'm affiliated with is not a drug that I learn about in pharmacy school in depth or if at all. It's probably mentioned maybe one or two times. And so I learned a whole new drug. I learned a whole new mechanism of action and some disease states that are rare diseases that we don't even talk about because we don't have the time or the capacity. I mean, there's millions of rare diseases out there. So I really learned three months of extreme. Uh, studying of data, competitive data, a mechanism of action. Um, and then at the end of those three months, I I went through a certification process. After certifying, I was able to go out in the field with my colleagues, shadow them, see how they practice, and then was given the responsibility of taking on my own territory and doing that. Um, so it, it, it was a, a very stressful but really exciting time because I learned so much that I had never even touched on in pharmacy school.
0: All right. So we know that your training is as a pharmacist um, and that it makes you in in many ways uniquely qualified for an MSL role. But uh, I'm curious, are pharmacists the only individuals who serve in these roles? And if not, what qualities as a pharmacist do you feel you bring that make you successful as an MSL?
1: So most of my, so I have about 22, uh, medical science liaisons on my team scattered across the country. And um, they all come from various backgrounds. I would say a large majority percentage would be farm D backgrounds. Um, however, I have also on my team PhDs. That would probably be the next uh, percent. And then we also, and I've met uh, nurse practitioners or nursing backgrounds, And um, I've also met people with like masters of sciences. So there's a various kind of degree that comes in. But I would say that those who that have a, you know, extensive science background are really what make great MSLs. That would probably be the initial the initial part of uh, qualities um, in an MSL. As I alluded to earlier, uh, communication is huge because we're talking not only to internal people at our company, but we're also kind of having to change that uh, lingo and kind of the word and the verbiage to people that are external, like our doctors, our PAs, our you know pharmacists. And so, communication is huge. Learning how to develop relationships and maintain those relationships over time. You know, I might not talk to you for six months, but I want to be able to make sure that in six months when I show up to your your practice that we can kind of pick up where we left off and I can see where I can help serve you. I'd say communication uh, is a big quality as an MSL. Um, kind of minorly is just being organized. I think everybody has different organizational skills, um, but at, as long as you know how you best communicate and how you best organize your thoughts uh I think that goes to making a successful MSL. Um, and like I said, everybody has a different style of how they do it. And I think that's the beauty of my job, that I can be what I nickname the CEO of my territory. And as long as I am maintaining those relationships and being organized in a, in a way that works best for me, then I know that I'm going to be successful in my in my role.
0: That's great. So you just mentioned some of the training that you received as part of your fellowship, which is pretty extensive in in terms of the way that you describe it. I'm curious, is there any additional training or certification available that can validate your competency as an MSL?
1: Yeah. So I did kind of an informal certification that I kind of talked about earlier, and I'm not sure from team to team or uh, product or drug uh, to product or drug um, but I do know that it is important to kind of get that uh, background. And so at least on, I can speak from my team that we do a rigorous month, three-month training on uh, the background, the competitive landscape, et cetera. And so at the end of that, it's kind of a verbal um, Q&A as well as a presentation. And, and the medical directors are the ones that kind of sign off saying, you're good to go out on the field by yourself. However, um, there is also an actual certification for MSL that people can pursue. I don't know many MSLs that have or, or have attained it, but I know that it's out there. Uh, I don't actually know exactly what that all entails, but I do know that there's an actual certificate out there to complete if that's something that someone chooses to, to pursue. I would say that's kind of the main certificate. Um, I know also people on on my team have chosen to pursue, you know, like an MBA or a master's in public health, which doesn't necessarily directly associate with an MSL role, but I would say still has kind of, for me that has an MBA has helped given me more additional background in my communication, my project management skills.
0: Great. Okay, so I, w- I want to ask a couple personal questions here, and that is the first would be, what do you find most satisfying about the work that you do?
1: I love, and I loved this back in pharmacy school. I think this is really one of my favorite things: is being able to impart my knowledge on um, making a better decision for patients in collaboration with my with the healthcare provider. That is so rewarding. Uh, while I might not know the end result for that patient, um, and I might not make the official decision for that patient, I'm still able to hopefully provide uh, knowledge and data to a doctor that wants to make the best decision for their patient or hopefully wants to. Um, And so that's probably the most satisfying part of my job. Um, And it can be a lot of work in terms of having to dig through the data and making sure that I am providing something of substance, but at the end, hopefully I have that indirect impact with the patient.
0: It seems like your drug information skills and ability to sort out what's most important from all of the literature that you're looking at are, are pretty important and come back to serve you well. Would that be fair?
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I have so many people at Cedarville School of Pharmacy to, to thank for that. <laughs>
0: Good. Okay. Uh, Let me ask the flip side. And what is the most challenging aspect of your work up to this point?
1: Yeah, I think I would truthfully love to be most candid about this. Um, And, you know, as a Christian, we are faced with many challenges and we, that's, that's, a very apparent in, in this world that we are faced with many challenges as Christians. And I think that being part of just a large company and being faced with many people-to-people challenges, uh, we, I'm faced with uh, communication challenges, uh, relationship challenges, um, and that would be probably the thing that I navigate the most because I am traveling so much for work. i interacting with both internal and external people a lot. And there's a lot of different personalities, a lot of different beliefs out there, as you can imagine. And so as a Christian, but also as a Christian MSL, I'm, I'm always navigating how to uh, overcome those challenges and putting God first in every decision that I make, every word that I speak, um, whether that is scientific or relationship-wise. So ultimately, I would look back and say I've grown a lot in learning how to navigate those challenges, but it's been incredibly rewarding because I hope that every single day that my providers and also my colleagues that I work with every day can still see that I am a Christian and that Christ lives through me um, still being an MSL.
0: Yeah, that's great. And it, we're encouraged uh, by simply seeing how you are integrating your faith into your practice in life. And so encourage you in that. So great work there. Um, I'd love to ask if you could help us expand our understanding a little bit of other roles that you know of pharmacists serving in within the pharmaceutical industry?
1: So, like I mentioned, we have this very strong and robust degree in pharmaceutical uh sciences and um in pharmacy and the ways that the body works and having that degree and that strong degree can be used in many avenues in the industry and this is something that when i was um my in my third year of second and third year of pharmacy school i was really grappling with like where do i want to best use my PharmD, and where where does god see me using this degree in the best way in this industry Um, as i was going through my network and meeting different people I learned very many, a, a huge amount of areas that I could kind of place in my PharmD. Um, and so while maybe that's a whole different conversation we can have, I can throw out some of them. So I have friends in medical info. That's kind of different than what I do. A lot of, the, it's more of like a, a sit at your desk job answering a lot of med info questions, questions about um, uh, the label, questions about um, adverse events. So, that's just a snippet into what they do. They kind of sit there. They help me answer some of those questions. They also dig through the data, but they're not directly facing with uh, with providers like I am. There's also safety and pharmacovigilance, and they are really important because with every drug, unfortunately, there are going to be adverse events. There's there's going to be side effects, and so they're the ones that are answering all the safety questions, making sure that they're all caught up, up, up to date, making sure if there's like a black box warning or anything, all those things are addressed to make sure that the patient is hopefully at the most safe they can be under or on this drug. Um, on the whole, completely different as uh, side, there's there's commercial marketing. So while you're not like a sales rep. Pharmacists are also involved with selling the drug to a degree. So, a really cool job that I, I got a chance to talk to was someone who holds a PharmD, who got a chance to go on set of those commercials that we see all the time on TV. They're there to kind of make sure that the verbiage and the wording is correct and sound when it comes to the science. I almost wanted to pursue that route. I mean, it's much more than just the glamorized being on a on a commercial set. But in part, that's one of the things that they do being in commercial. It's amazing to see all the different people that are involved with putting a drug on market. And bees can be involved in many different avenues, more than just what I named being out on the field or being in the uh, company itself. Um, but those are just some buckets of ways that a pharmacy can be involved in the pharmaceutical industry.
0: Yeah, that's great, Tate. Thanks for sharing those with us. I want to step back to your specific role again of being an MSL. So what's the outlook in terms of careers here? Do you see pharmacists continuing to be MSLs in a larger capacity in the future? Is there a need for more pharmacists to be involved in these types of roles?
1: So the cool thing about this role is that doctors really respect your, what you have to say. And not to say that doctors don't, you know, respect you in behind the counter or on rounds, but I have gotten the unique opportunity to really have doctors put their ear into what I have to say um, and really pay attention to the knowledge that I have to impart. Um, And so pharmacists have a really, really great and strong role as an MSL. I see it as a growing uh, career. Um, and, at you know, being through the process tw- two years in a row now of interviewing the next fellow for my position, I've been able to see just more and more folks uh, uh, pharmacy students really interested in this role and wanting to interview for this role as well. So there is a need to answer your question for more pharmacists to be involved in not only the MSL role, but in pharma. I think the PharmD holds a very um, valuable place in industry.
0: Great. And I would agree with you completely on that. So what advice would you have for either student pharmacist or maybe pharmacists who have been practicing in other spaces if they want to learn more about roles in the industry and maybe specifically the role of an MSL?
1: I hate to use this word again, but network, 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 it is huge. And um, even looking back, I wish I'd, I did more and that I stretch myself more. It can be one of the most intimidating things to do, especially when you feel like I'm only a second-year pharmacist. I've barely gotten exposure to my um, therapeutic modules in school. But you definitely know more than you realize. And uh, you can have that confidence that one day you will be a pharmacist and that you will have this degree that will be a very valuable uh, key player in in the way that our patients are, um, are are going through their life. And so my advice would be get on LinkedIn, make yourself a profile, take that first step, send that message, um, look up an area that you're interested in and just shoot that message off to that person and say, hey, I would love to learn more about your time. And the worst thing that they can say is no, but at least you tried. I've never had someone say no to me. So I hope that offers some encouragement. People are excited to tell them more about, uh, to tell people more about themselves in their role. Keep in mind, too, that every person's journey is different. My journey is going to look different than yours and from the person sitting next to you. And so take that with a grain of salt. Realize that, that God has mapped your journey out very differently than mine, and that's okay. You might not find yourself in the industry right away, but that's not to say that you won't down the line and in a different way, shape, or form. Um, and so those are two pieces of advice that I would have taken back when I was a student. And even when I have pharmacists that reach out to me now that are like, I want to leave the space that I'm in and and I'm interested in pursuing to learn more about industry. I would say that advice still applies to you, especially if you have years of experience in retail or a clinical background that's even makes your CV even stronger. You can use any experience that you've had in pharmacy or in healthcare to have transferable skills into the MSL role and beyond in industry. Transferable skills are huge, and I think even the one interaction that you had in in um, your am care rotation and a four, as a fourth year student can contribute and transfer it as your role in an, as an MSL. Um, I still. Uh, rely on some of my experiences back as a student. Um, so I hope that that those two pieces of advice are helpful to whoever's listening on, on this line.
0: No, I love it. I mean, networking and transferable skills, you can't get any better than that. I think that's great advice. So thanks for that, Stephanie. Um, is there anything else that you would want our listeners to know about opportunities in the field that we haven't talked about?
1: Yeah, I think you'd be surprised what a good Google search will do. Um, And I think I myself have done that, where you just sit down and you're like, opportunities at X company or, uh, you know, industry opportunities or medical information opportunities at this company. Um, LinkedIn is a powerful resource to us. And I have seen people post job opportunities, internship opportunities all the time. Um, And so I think using the, the web is a huge resource that we have to be able to search for those opportunities in the field. And as well as continue to keep up with your network. I know we just talked about that, but like, just because you have had one conversation with someone does not mean that five years down the line, they might not be, they might, you know, remember you, be able to provide something to help you in your journey. So not only make those connections in your network, but keep Keep up with that network. Make sure you're, you know, maybe checking in with them once a year, once every six months. Um, And even when you're in a current role, you might be able to reach out to them when you want to leave your current role and go pursue another role. So your network's going to change and fluctuate as you're in your career throughout the years. But you can you never know who you can count on that you met 10 years ago. And uh, I can faithfully say that there are people that I've met thus far in my career that I, I know I can call up five years down the line and ask if there are opportunities in the future. So I I think that's, that's some of the stuff that I have left.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, Stephanie, it's been such a pleasure to chat with you again. And you've taught me a lot about even the roles that that you have uh, been blessed with uh, stepping into all the best as you uh, step into this new uh, role with Sanofi as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a, it's been such a pleasure and privilege.
0: Yep. Thanks for joining us. You have been listening to Disrupt, a podcast from the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.